Welcome to episode 1097 of The Sleeper in the Best. I'm Justin Mason, joined as always on Sundays by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, man. It is a uh, uh, start of the, it's been a gross weekend around here. You and I were talking off air, uh, mm-hmm. so I've been doing a lot of house projects. So this this time together with you this morning, quite welcomed because uh, I'm still rather sore from uh, doing all the stuff around the house yesterday and I got to get back to it uh, once you and I finish today. Yeah, well, I'll try to keep you as long as I can uh, from it. Thanks. But, uh, uh, let's let's filibuster, man. I told the wife, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to go as soon as we're done here, but I wasn't sure how long it was going to take. And so, if you want to read a phone book here on the podcast, let's yeah. go for it. <laughs> I don't. Do they even make phone books anymore? I don't, I don't know that they I still do. Get one about every, every year it drops off like, like the yellow pages, and I'm like, mm. okay, it's not then, but it is. I want to pull an old. Uh, I forgot the politician that read a that that read a phone book as part of this mm-hmm. filibuster, but. I may have an old baseball prospectus or something laying around here, and I can try yeah, to. Yeah, I got. <laughs> I got a few of those behind me. We, 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 we can uh, we can go through uh, some old years of the the prospectus. Uh, yep, uh, it is football Sunday, so we uh, we thoroughly expect a lot of people uh, have. Commanders undefeated, that. baby! Woo! Yeah, there we go, and we have a good chance of potentially staying undefeated going up against Jacksonville Jaguars. But uh, there won't be a lot of football talk for us because uh, the Commanders suck. So that you know, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that, trickle that down. makes it easier. Trickle down stuff. suck too. It starts. It's the suck is all the way at the top, and it just trickles down the roster. Yep, yep. It's it's poison from from the get go. So uh, let's uh, let's jump in because there was some really really big news like right at uh, dropped like right after Paul and I uh, finished recording on Friday, and that was the new rule changes for 2023 were announced. Um, I I joked on Twitter that MLB are the kings of uh, making or making changes to problems that don't exist, uh, and uh, and uh, and not facing the the challenges that actually exist. So, uh, but I want to hear what you think about these rule changes from a baseball perspective, and more importantly, from a fantasy baseball perspective, because I think some of these rule changes are going to have a potential dramatic effect on how we approach drafts in twenty twenty three. Let's. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I, my, my first reaction to all of it was, you know how butthurt baseball gets when anybody announces a trade or a personnel move during the playoffs, right? So why are you announcing these things right now in the middle of a pennant drive? Yeah, everybody's trying to do, and you're going to drop this on Friday, right? It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I guess they're trying to do that, to then get the other side talking. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that aside, uh, you know, for me, I'm mostly a fan of all this because I've seen a lot of it in practice in the minor leagues this year, you know, here I've gone to games at Charlotte, Kannapolis, and I even went to an Atlantic league um, Gastonia game last weekend. So I have seen every single one of these things in play uh, this year, multiple times. The one thing I didn't see in this was the automated ball strike system, which is to me have been the best part of any of these games I've been to this year. You know, for those of you guys watch this on video, it is as simple as this, the batter or the catcher, can call for a replay. They touch their helmet. The umpire turns around, puts his hand in the air. The PA announcer says this pitch is being reviewed. They put it up on the scoreboard, much like the same uh, tractor that you see when you're watching a broadcast. And if it catches any part of the zone, it's strike. And I'm telling you, this process takes five to seven seconds. It is mm-hmm. beautiful. I would love for this to happen, you know, especially the other night when the when the Rays lost to the Yankees, when the Clay Holmes struck out Yandy Diaz on a pitch that looked below the zone. I would have loved for a, hey, let's review this because it would have been ball four. Uh, and so that's where uh, I would love to see that process in place. 
Um, but you know, some of the other things, the shift thing, I absolutely hate. Cannot stand right. this. It's it's dumb that they're going to have to because they've put guidelines out on like, hey, this is where everybody. It's just yet another responsibility uh, out there. I you know, if a team wants to do it, they should be able to do it. Uh, I think Mike Petriello had a nice thing uh, that said. You know, it's it's like the extreme shifts are going to be taken away. You can still put the shortstop pretty much right behind second base as long as they've got another foot on the other side. So it's like it, it's going to be the extreme, like three guys on the other side of second base. And I, I would I would love somebody to dive into all the numbers. I saw Mike tweeting about it a little bit. I don't know if he's written it out yet, but I'm sure I want to get into like the numbers and say, okay, how much of the shifting that we see would be defined as extreme? I know you can do that in Savant Search. Uh, I just haven't had time to do it uh, the, over the last two days, but I know you can do that. Uh, yeah, because I was having a conversation on Twitter with uh, Lone Star Ball yesterday about Nathaniel Lowe, uh, because you know he's having a great season, and one of the things like he's uh, Adam observed that Lowe has been more uh, willing to hit the ball the other way against some of these shifts and like some soft contact the other way, and he was curious about hey, what's going to happen when they can't shift him as much as they've shifted him. Uh, and so that's that's who I'm going to dive into as I write my um, collect calls installment this week because Lowe's having a phenomenal season. When I looked the other day, he was one of five guys that was hitting 300 and had 20-plus home runs with Goldschmidt, Judge, Arenado, and Machado being the other four. Uh, and no, nobody would have predicted that coming into the season, yet here we are for him. Uh, so, you know, that thing, I, I the from a fantasy perspective, the bigger base is going to be huge. Between the bigger base and the limited pickoffs, it's going to be huge. Yeah. Bases huge. Um, just in the minor leagues alone this year, and JJ Cooper had an article about it at Baseball America. Uh, if you don't subscribe, he tweeted out some of the information uh, at JJ Coop thirty six. Uh, some of the graphs: stolen bases have been pretty much flatlined across the majors. A little bit of a dip last year, and then this year with the new rules in play, with the bigger base up, we're talking like seventy eight percent success rate uh, in stolen bases. And so I've seen some uh, aggressiveness in, in the games. I've probably been to about twenty minor league games this year, and guys have been on the move more uh, with that. Uh, and the pitch clock thing as well. I mean, Honestly, most of these things are not noticeable while you're at the game. The pitch clock thing, I would say once a game, uh, a pitcher would not deliver the ball in time. And the umpire would like put a hand up. There's been a ball because and it would just point to the clock and they move on. I, I would see it like once a game, maybe. I think I saw it twice at, um, from uh, in, the, in the same game. But these things are realistic. They reduce the time of game by about 20 minutes. Um, overall, but it's it's going to be curious to see the impact that it has on offense because, I mean, right now we're accustomed to seeing, you know, batters uh, taking a close second strike, wanting to step out, you know, try to think through, okay, what's going to come, and they have the time. But now if you've got 14 to 18 seconds between pitches that you've got to deliver, you know, you could see pitchers getting up there, give me the ball, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to do the Mark Burley special or I'm going to throw that ball as quickly as I receive it. Uh, and, and go back. So it'll be curious to see how that impacts that. So I would say on the whole, between the reduction in shifts, but the uh, expediting the time between pitches, uh, I don't think I, I could see that being a wash on the batting average side of things. Um, we could also see shorter outings because these pitchers aren't going to be able to take that little bit of rest between some of these pitches uh, as, as they tried to do. Uh, you know, they may have to work, having to work more quickly may have an impact on how long they can stay in the game. Uh, but I am excited to see more stolen bases. And we talked about this in the offseason. We wanted to see more running. Uh, and 
it feels like we have this year uh, on the whole. Um, but this is definitely going to show more stolen bases next year. So it's like one of the things I want to do here early uh, in two, 2023 draft prep season is starting to look at, you know, if the forecast, we should be looking for more stolen bases and who's going to, you know, how that's going to uh, impact because uh, it's going to go up. Every single league went up this year with that. Uh, and so I'm excited with that because, again, running a guy from first to second is more likely to score. We're going to see more run scoring. Then it's going to factor into ERAs uh, as well. So, you know, I hope you've enjoyed this year of really good ERAs because it's short. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that the biggest impact is really, I mean, one is going to be on offense, but really going to be on pitchers. I, I just think that. We're going to see uh, guys, especially guys who do not have huge strikeout rates that rely on the ball coming into play, be less prioritized by MLB teams. Um, so the Miles Mikolases of the world, guys like that, uh, you're probably going to be less prioritized by teams, which means I'm, I'm going to be more aggressive on starting pitching than I normally am, I think, because uh, I, I want guys who are going to be able to rack up innings and rack up strikeouts at the top, because I think starting pitchers, they're not going to want balls to go into play. There isn't a shift behind them. Uh, you know, all the craziness with what's going to go on with stolen bases and guys, you know, them not being able to throw over to first more than once uh, and in a bat. Uh, I, I just, I just worry that your rays are going to go up dramatically. And so starting off my drafts with a pretty strong base in terms of starting pitching with guys. And I'm really going to prioritize guys who get really good strikeout numbers too. You know, so, I haven't read. I didn't read into all the specifics on what what they're looking to put in play. Does the throwing over to first include back picks by the catcher? I don't believe so. Okay, I mean, uh, my, one way to keep them a little honest is 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 you know some back picks um, because I I know one school of thought would be like, okay, you've you've thrown over twice now you can't throw it over. I'm gonna take a bigger lead. Yeah, but then again, yeah, you know, we yeah you know, somebody's gonna back pick, but. Uh, yeah, some yeah, of these so, guys are going to have to work on moves. The, uh, the way that it's written is that pitchers are limited to two disengagements, either okay. a pickoff or step off per at-bat. Now, that resets if, uh, if the runner advances. So okay. the runner steals the base, then you get your two back for that, but they're just trying uh, to prevent pitchers from you know uh, throwing over three times, four times in an at-bat. Uh, but there are going to be guys who take pretty large leads, yeah. You know, um, in, in you know, in an attempt to steal a base, uh, or at least give themselves an opportunity if the ball is in play to get the the second much quicker. So, I, I think stolen base numbers are going to go up a huge amount. Um, I think batting averages in general, especially for guys like Joey Gallo, uh, that you know uh, that hit into the shift uh, really, really often. Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper could legitimately be a top five, you know, seven pick next year without a shift in play. So, um, I, I, you know, obviously there are going to be lots of articles coming out this offseason pointing out which guys hit really poorly against the shift, uh, which guys, uh, uh, you know, have huge stolen or have huge stolen base potentials. But I think that every guy is going to have, you know, any guy who can steal a base is going to get an opportunity a lot more often this year. So uh, it's, I think it's gonna be really, really interesting. Uh, yeah, it should be interesting. Cause it's going to give us at least give us some uh, 
uh, you know, more writing, uh, more mm-hmm. topics for writing. I was gonna, I'm just looking up some numbers here just to do the math. So reminder to folks that the league-wide stolen base success rate this year is 75% uh, at, at, at the major leagues. In the minor leagues, it's been closer to 78 with the with the extra size uh, in the bag uh, with this. And I was just looking at stolen base opportunities league-wide this year. We've had 2,100. You know what? That's not the great number because I need to add the attempts to. So we've had a total of 2,813 stolen bases attempted in 57,108 opportunities. And reminder, opportunities is being on first or second with the next space unoccupied. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, the league is not running that often. I uh, When I do the math, it's uh, 0.049. Uh, yeah, so it could be, and we've only had the Rangers and Marlins are the only two teams that have stolen 100 bags this year. Uh, Minnesota is 29 of 45 in stealing on basis this year. They're bringing up their rear. Um, thanks, Byron Buxton. Really appreciate that this year, man. <laughs> Drafted you, thought you were going to run, and not only did you get hurt, even when you were healthy, you weren't running. Awesome. Uh, so, yes, it, uh, I'm excited. Again, I'm just excited for stolen bases, but it is going to have that impact on ERA because you're going to have more runners from scoring position uh, with, a, with a higher likelihood of scoring from second base. Uh, with that, because the uh, you know with the with the extra walks, I mean that could be another side effect of things too. With the shorter recovery time between pitches, maybe command falters a little bit. You get more walks on this. Uh, I, I I like your idea of being more aggressive on pitching. Um, maybe not being more aggressive on closers. You know, I heard uh, I think Jeff Erickson and Fred Zinke on the RotoWire podcast were talking about hey, your return. You know, there was a lot of main event push on these guys on these some of these closers then oh and hater and Hendricks and those two haven't worked out very well but uh Edwin Diaz did after the, you know, so making that push on starting pitching uh it seems getting worse every year and this year you know people were rewarded for it about being aggressive with starting pitching because the ratios have been so awesome this year especially now uh, and earlier in the season when the ball uh, just wasn't going anywhere. It went a little bit over the summer, but outside of the heat wave that you and your area were experiencing earlier this week, the ball just really hasn't done much in September uh, Mm -hmm. and late August. So it's, we're back to a a decent uh, run environment. Um, You know, the, the, the 17, four game last night in in Baltimore uh, aside, when you see, uh, when you see Devers go 425 oppo for a grand slam, that's, that's impressive. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right let's uh let's talk about uh some guys hitting the il um starling Marte, he's in the il with a, dis- a non-displaced fracture of his finger uh the mets are in you know a fight for the division so uh in spite of the fact that he was hoping to avoid the il they're gonna uh put him on the IL, but they're also gonna bring up mark vientos which is one of their top prospects any interest in picking up vientos and fab today yeah, I saw him play here in Charlotte uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Syracuse was here. Uh, in fact, Daryl Strawberry was signing autographs. And and the line went all the way around the concourse, uh, all the way from foul, past foul pole to foul pole uh, with it. But he really stood out as somebody that had uh, the, the skills hit, uh, I think he had two home runs in the game, or the uh, home run, and then a, a double off the wall. has got some athleticism as well. His overall numbers in AAA have been impressive. Uh, this year. So yes, uh, he was somebody that was, uh, you know, stood out in the game that I attended. And when I saw him as, as somebody being bumped up, 
uh, that intrigued me. I know he hasn't run uh, in AAA this year, but he certainly has hit for power uh, and knows how to get on base. So I would be putting money in on him this weekend. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a guy who has the potential to, you know, hit a number of home runs the rest of the way. And I don't necessarily think the uh, the Mets would be bringing up, uh, him up if they weren't anticipating playing him. Uh, only problem is he's had, you know, a pretty close to 30% strikeout rate this yep. year in, in AAA. And so you got to think he's going to strike out quite a bit. So those of you. He's blocked, though. Uh, that's, you know, yep. compared to some of these other guys we're going to talk about today, at least, at least he's drawn, at least. Uh, Vientos has drawn some walks as well. And so it, it's not an all or nothing approach like some of the other guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in all on base percentage leagues, he gets a little bit of a bump uh, in, in, you know, points leagues where strikeouts are counted against you. Obviously he's going to get a downgrade. Uh, like I said, I think he's going to get opportunity. The only problem is Eduardo Escobar has been hot off the IL. So he could, you know, uh, lose a little bit of time out to Escobar, who's uh, kind of trying to rehab his season here at the, in the last little bit after being pretty disappointing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> next, uh, next two guys. I just want to talk about more about their, uh, you know, next year value. Jazz Chisholm and Chris Bryant are likely done for the year. Uh, Chisholm is, I think, dealing with a back issue. Yeah. Uh, Chris Bryant dealing with an everything issue. Uh, are these guys you're going to go back to the well on? Because I think at this point we have to start discussing them as pretty injury prone. So are you you going to be willing to – I think Chisholm will still be pretty expensive. I think Bryant probably still be pretty expensive being in Colorado. Are you going to spend a top 100 pick on these guys? No. Uh, I spent – and I was pretty aggressive with Chisholm this year. I took him, uh, I want to say, in the upper 70s, early 80s. He's in – I'm uh, still in contention in a DC 50, and I've been anywhere from second to third, close to first – uh, but it's going to be a run all the way here to the end. Uh, and he is, you know, I haven't had him. He's just been one of the guys, one of the many that are on my IL 60 on that team. And I'm still hanging around. Uh, I, I don't want to quit him. Uh, but at the same point, you know, back troubles, I need to see a healthy back. And the fact that this was only, this wasn't supposed to be something that was going to keep him out for the year. And it's, it's been, it's already been two plus months. Uh, and with, with Bryant, I mean, this is the first year of a contract. It's, it's, we knew the first year of big contracts in new places as, as Rick and Glenn have often told us, uh, are, are fraught with risk, but I don't think anybody foresaw this, uh, that said year two, there's, there's some profit, uh, in the market discount, uh, in those situations. But as you, as you, as you pointed to, you know, him being in Colorado, we, it, it took, it took until this season for Charlie Blackman to start coming at a discount. And that's yeah. after how many years and him being 35, 36. And you know, we, many of us were freely picking up Charlie Blackman late and just you know, streaming him and enjoying it. Uh, but it's taken this long for that to happen. So I don't expect much of a market discount from Bryant. Uh, but that's the only way I'm going to get in on Bryant is if it comes at a discount. I would take Chisholm over uh, over Bryant uh, because I don't have to worry about streaming Chisholm. I just have to worry about the, the him holding up physically. I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I definitely take Chisholm over Bryant. I think the problem with I mean, both these guys are going to be on every single article that is titled "Last Year's Trash is This Year's <laughs> Treasure" or "Bounce Back Canada's." I write that article every year. year. I know it. <laughs> and so, and both these guys are going to be on there because they're you know people are going and th that'll drive up the price. Um, I think you know Chisholm is such a flashy player and uh, a fun player to watch that you know he his market probably and he's still young his market probably won't be crushed too much uh, and. 
obviously Brian being in Colorado is going to be, you know, a huge boon to his uh, ADP. So uh, I, I just, I just don't want these guys on my roster unless I'm getting a big discount. I don't think I'm going to get that discount though, unfortunately. Yeah. So I will likely be much lower on them uh, than the market uh, is. I mean, especially after, I mean, we've seen it. Injuries are, you know, everywhere, everywhere. The last few years, oh, injuries have been awful. You know, uh, and that doesn't even include like COVID wasn't as big of a deal this year in terms of, you know, guys going on the COVID IL missing a lot of time. And so uh, even without that injuries were really bad this year. So like, mm -hmm. I'm just not going to invite that onto my rosters uh, for next season. All right, let's uh, let's talk some fab. We don't have a huge list today, but I want people to remember that today is the start of football season. People will forget to do fab. People will completely turn their attention away to fantasy football. Yep. Uh, those of you who are still listening, obviously you haven't done that yet, uh, and you're going to be able to take advantage. And uh, I, I often remind people, like, this is not the time to, like, take your foot off the gas. This is time to really, really press it to the floor because you can gain a lot more ground than people think at the end of a season. Luis Patino uh, has come up. Uh, he's my boy. He has disappointed me greatly all season long. Are you picking up Luis Patino? Uh, so his last outing, you know, you look at the fight, you look at the line score from the last outing. I want to pull it up. Um, so we had five innings, five hits, three earned runs, one home run was legit. Three walks uh, and four strikeouts. Now I, I bring up the line score because the three runs were a factor of the walks, uh, but the he walked. He allowed a two-out rally to this was the Yankee game, Yankee or I forget it was Boston. Sorry, it was against Boston. He allowed a two-out rally, uh, and there were first and second with he walked two back-to-back -back walks, and then there was a fly ball to center field that I honestly thought Jose Siri should have caught. Um, Kevin Kiermaier, you know, my record, my 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 vocal record on him is well known. Kiermaier would have caught this ball. Siri, uh, Siri is just as uh, capable, if not better, defender than Kiermaier as far as covering ground. I thought he played that ball like there was one out and one guy on base at first base instead of two outs because it was, I want to say it was Devers that hit it and Bogarts was up next. So it's like, you know, make the play, trust your fielder. He had a backup behind him, but he, he allowed a – a weekly hit fly ball to to uh, fall in that scored the runs uh, and to me it was like yeah he allowed three runs in five innings but that that ball should have been caught that said it was his fault because Patino put those two guys on base with two outs uh, and that's honestly always been my issue with Patino there are flashes of brilliance but then the command just falls apart every now and then and it takes him like two batters to get it back uh, and so. But the outing before that against Kansas City, he looked fantastic. I watched that entire outing. He looked fantastic. Uh, and then he was – I was supposed to see him pitch uh, on Tuesday here in AAA, but that's the same – or last week. But that was the same game that McClanahan got yanked uh, during warm-ups. And so they yanked – and then we actually rained out that game here in Charlotte. So Patino didn't pitch that one, which is why he pitched on, on the fifth against Boston. Um, he should be pitching, I think, Monday? Today, yeah, I think. Today against, he's pitching today against the Yankees. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, after especially yesterday, Kluber, I that, that sucked, man. Kluber has been great of late, and then yesterday he just got death by single. But you know, again, his own fault. His command sucked yesterday. It was very unclubot. I guess somebody forgot to unplug him and reboot him because uh, he looked <laughs> terrible yesterday. <laughs> terrible. Uh, and so that's the, that's the thing with Patino. It all comes down to command. 
uh, with him. And we've in his last two outings, we saw him look fantastic. Uh, and then we saw him hit a speed bump in the middle of the outing uh, and and had that issue. And now, you know, they also recalled uh, Yanni Chirinos is fully back from his injuries as well. Uh, and so I don't know if Patino's spot in the rotation is solidified or if he's like to get piggybacked uh, and be like, OK, go out there and do this and then we're going to take you out. Um, but he has gone. He has worked. Um, five complete each of his last two outings, but it, it's the walks. That's the final step. The stuff's all there. It's just the command um, has got to get more consistent, and he's got to help realign uh, or get uh, get realigned more quickly. You can't you can't allow two out rallies with back to back walks like that. It's just unacceptable. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go back to the well on him next year. I'm I'm not I'm not quitting him. He's just too talented. Uh, Chirinos is going to be part of the doubleheader on Tuesday, so I think at least for another turn in the rotation, uh, Patino is going to uh, be in it after, uh, you know, after facing the Yankees today, next week's start is going to be home versus the Rangers. That's a pretty good start. Then he would be home versus uh, Toronto and at Cleveland. If he stays, in that's, the a, rotation. that's a tough, that, yeah. that two step with Toronto and uh, Cleveland in particular, again, you know, I've brought this up by Cleveland, very high contact team, toughest league and uh, toughest team in a league to strike out. Uh, that's a really tough matchup. Um, mm-hmm. I, I could see using them next week in the Texas, but uh, really have a tough time using them in, in the two-step. Yeah. Uh, the next guy on the list is Hunter Brown, who's been pitching well. Uh, he's got a really nice uh, kind of uh, line uh, or, or next start. He's going to be at Detroit for his next start uh, on Tuesday. Um, and then the question remains on whether or not he's going to stay in the rotation. And this is something to really pay attention to down the stretch. Guys are going to get pulled out of the rotation, into the rotation. Guys are going to get skipped. Uh, guys are going to have abbreviated start. So something definitely to pay attention to. I think Houston will be a little bit less herky-jerky. But once Verlander comes back, Hunter Brown may go back down to the minors. So would you be interested in streaming Hunter Brown this week against Detroit? Yeah, I mean, Detroit's 27th in the league in strikeouts. So, yeah. Uh, But so the Houston thing, though, I mean, they're going to wrap up that division here in a week, right? Any day now, yeah. Yeah, and that that division is going to be all but settled. And so, you know, you could see an equation where they're, you know, they're not going to they're not going to send their starters out for that extra that extra inning. You know, you can do the five and dive. And then that's why you have this expanded roster right now. You're carrying a nine man bullpen. Uh, you have 14 pitchers. Why not leave Brown up here to get the work uh, so he can continue doing his thing? Because, I mean, he only works. When I was looking, he's worked uh, 112 innings this year, um, and he worked 100, uh, 100.1 last year. So workload-wise, not a, we're not in any kind of concern right now. So why not leave him up here and have him work uh, on a fifth day and piggyback with a – with an Urquidy or with a Garcia, you know, something like that, or Verlander, you know, you're bringing him back and slow play Verlander. Why not put him on the backside of that uh, to try some things, but I could see Houston getting a little more creative with their, with their pitching usage to keep everybody fresh for October. Yeah, I, I could too. And I mean, you can't get a much better uh, streaming start than at Detroit. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's about as good as you can, you know, just as long as you're not like super low on fab, and you can't waste the end of your fab on him if you especially get on zero. Already out of fab in in uh, in labor. <laughs> I have none. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've got like three or four dollars left in tout, but at least in tout, it they have zero dollar bid, so that helps a lot. So yeah. 
um, as we all try to chase down uh, uh, Derek Van Riper, who has just started to run away with that tout league. Uh, good on him. Uh, he made some good good moves down the stretch to really uh, to, to kind of put him over the top. Still hoping to catch him, though. Uh, all right, next guy on the list we've got is Dylan Floro. He's been getting uh, some work at the back end of that bullpen in Miami. Uh, is he a guy you think could be closer the rest of the way in Miami? For their one win a week, maybe. I mean, he had a win and a save this week. Uh, mm-hmm. so he's working high leverage uh, in that regard. We did talk about Flora, I want to say, about a month or two ago uh, and said this this would be the option. This would be his role, high leverage, and maybe he gets some saves. He can get some decisions. And this week, that finally came to fruition. He hasn't really done much outside. I know he had a save in mid-August. Um, so the opportunities just really haven't been there that often. I mean, Miami does play a lot of close games, but they tend to blow them late. Uh, so there haven't really been a lot of opportunities there for him. So if he has a role, uh, three saves the rest of the way. He could get more. Listen to the Marlins uh, upcoming schedule. Uh, they finished their series today against the Mets, right? Yeah. But then they go, they have a, a Texas uh, doubleheader uh, on Monday. Then they start a series against Philadelphia. Good team, right? The rest of it is is pretty good after that, though. At Washington, home versus Chicago Cubs, uh, home versus Washington. That's a pretty darn good stretch of some winnable is that winnable double games. Schedule, is that doubleheader scheduled? I think so. You're seeing a lot two of indoor teams have a doubleheader otherwise. I know we have some scheduled doubleheaders this year, yeah. but when you said that, I'm like, wait, indoor team, indoor team? How did they get rained out? <laughs> it, it's it's uh, we had a we had a, a doubleheader. Um, scheduled against uh, Milwaukee, um, that you know was in between a ser- uh, two, uh, you know, two series. All right, it must have been good. I know they. I, I I forgot they were scheduling doubleheaders every now and then. Uh, yeah, that's same. What you mentioned earlier with Toronto and and Tampa Bay. You know, there's a doubleheader this week. They have five games mm-hmm. in four days. Yeah, uh, and that's why. Yeah, this this is how they made up all those games lost at the beginning of the season because yeah. of the uh, uh, the lockout. So. That's right. uh, I think Floro is, is an interesting gamble, especially if you're desperate in saves. I, I think if if you've got a large gap to make up, obviously the Marlins aren't going to win a ton of games. They do have a good schedule here in the next week and a half, uh, two weeks. But um, I think he's more of a like, hey, I'm I'm one save behind the guy, or I'm in a head dead categories league, something like that. You know, yeah. for the playoffs, he's he's a good stream there as well. Uh, Josh Young, uh, he made his MLB debut uh, and went yard. And stole a base, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yes, I played correct. in DFS that night. Uh, wasn't enough for me to uh, to do much damage in terms of winning money. I won $2 on the $30 worth of entries I had. I'll spend it all uh, in one place. No, I will try not to. I'll probably spend it today on DFS football, which I should never do. Um, but uh, he's a, a very interesting prospect. Uh, remember, there was a lot of hype on him. I think coming into the season, got injured, has missed the majority of the year. I was actually surprised he came back. I so thought he was going to be shut down for the whole year, uh, but this shows a lot. He is the future at third base for the Rangers. Are you picking up Josh Young? Yeah, I was surprised he came back because, remember, he was the one uh, labrum surgery on, yeah. on the shoulder. So I was really surprised he was able to come back uh, with this. Yeah, This was this was one of the guys I was, I was uh, foreshadowing earlier when we were talking about at least he takes a walk, right? So Young's had seven walks and 37 strikeouts in about 130 uh, at bats this year between double a triple a and the majors uh with that so the, the concern, he's going to be out there every day texas didn't call him up to sit 
Uh, you know, he's he'll be out there. He's going to be in the lineup every day because they obviously want to give him a head start uh, on next year with it. It's just the you know what what's going to happen with that because you know we have Tristan. You know, Tristan Casas is the next guy we're going to talk about. Boston's doing that with him, and it's not going well. Yes, he does have one home run, but yes, he's had a lot of swings and misses. Uh, he did have one impressive plate appearance that I saw where he took he took a walk from Pete Fairbanks. And I bring that up as impressive because Pete Fairbanks has walked two guys all year. Uh, and Tristan Casas was one of them. Uh, and so that was impressive uh, with that uh, on that. So uh, I just get concerned with with the with the big power. And so let's, let's lump in the two together with Young. Young's the better overall hitter. Casas has got the big power, but both of them have had strikeout issues in the minor leagues. And with Young in particular, because he missed so much of the season, he's still really trying to get his timing down. I mean, strikeouts have not been this much of an issue for him at previous stops. But, you know, he missed – he got hurt in the middle of March. Uh, you know, he went down right as we were at the peak of draft season uh, with things. So he's still trying to get his timing back. So it could get better for him of these two guys. Uh, I want Young the rest of the way because Casas right now and the, and the, the stuff I've seen – if it's a mistake, he'll get a hold of. He'll hurt the mistake. But overall, uh, the at bats have not been very promising. But you know, it's, it's early for him. But the the Red Sox are like, here, you're in. Bobby Dahlbeck again, thanks for nothing. Um, Wentz is, you know, they sent him down. So it's like it, Casas is out there for better or for worse uh, as the as the team continues to reshape itself for next year. Yeah, I mean, I think both these guys are interesting prospects. I prefer them both over uh, Mark Vientos, who we talked about earlier oh, yeah. on in the show. Yeah. I just think they have better hit tools all around. I'm not overly worried about Casas. Uh, I know that um, he hasn't looked great, and you know, zone contact numbers are, are pretty bad right now. Um, he's also not swinging outside of the zone very much, right. uh, which is a really good sign. He's a guy who can take a walk as well. So I, I don't think I'm overly concerned. And honestly... I'm going to take him over Young. I know Young is going to be the more expensive guy in Fab this week. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm just talking about rest of the way. Um, because he's part of that Boston lineup. And yeah. the boss, that Boston lineup can be so dangerous um, in spite of the fact that uh, he um, is striking out a huge amount. Like that can, I mean, it's such a small sample. Like it can turn around so quickly. I just think he's being a little bit overly aggressive uh, because he's, you know, making his MLB debut right now. I think that he'll calm down and be fine rest of the way. And I just think he has a little bit better hit tool um, than Young. Uh, I I like Young. I think he's going to play every day. And I think that he's probably got more guaranteed playing time being in Texas and then looking towards next year. Um, so I, I think there are benefits to both. I think, you know, obviously anytime you got a guy who relies solely on power uh, and really needs to have that hit tool show in order to unlock it, there's some risk, but I think both these guys can are viable down the stretch uh, and should be picked up today. So uh, you have options. Yeah, I think Vientos, uh, you know, the final note I would say on him, he feels like one of those guys that would be dealt in the winter for them mm -hmm. and as if they try to reshape the roster. Because if I remember correct, well, he's not as not as old as I thought. Uh, one, of the, I was thinking he was a little older. He's not even 23 yet. He'll be yeah. 23 over the winter time. Um, so, but if you look at their, you know, the, their contractual obligations um, out there, you know, I don't know what future, you know, where they would be able to find room for Vientos, whereas they could move him to a second division club who has the opportunity for him to play for something they want. Yeah, I, I, I'm 
I'd be surprised. They seem to want to hold on to him. Uh, you know, I mean, they could have traded him at the deadline. He would have been a very attractive uh, guy, and they didn't make any major moves like that. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, he definitely, I mean, they definitely have a, a glut of pretty interesting prospects right now. Yeah, uh, let's go Alvarez. Let's go the opposite end of the spectrum and move away from uh, guys who are uh, prospects, the guys who's kind of pretty much unknown. And he's come up and played small roles for the Giants this year. And I'm talking about David VR. But right now, in the month of September, since since rosters expanded and he got called up, he is hitting 345, 387, 828 with four home runs, uh, six uh, uh, run scored, seven RBIs in 31 plate appearances. He's on absolute fire. Are you picking up David VR right now? Yeah, I, let's look. You know, he's the more valuable VR this season. Uh, it's yeah, un- that's insane. Yeah. I mean, I mean, David has come up as you said since rosters have expanded. He has played every day. I'm looking at the roster resource, the lineup breakdown. He has hit sixth, seventh, or eighth, and he's played first base, second base, third base. So he's played three different spots, but he's been out there every day. He is the 13th best player over the last seven days because of those numbers you just rattled off uh, with that. So as long as he's getting these opportunities, yeah. Yeah, we've seen different, we've seen crazier things in September, but as long as he's getting these opportunities to play in the lineup every day and clearly they're using them in multiple positions, uh, yes, every, it, it, I saw somebody tweeting the other day, it just sucks when these, these late scratches on guys, and it's like, great, every plate appearance counts right now, and if I can get mm-hmm. four plate appearances from a guy and he's going to play six days a week, there's 24. Uh, it's better than if I'm in a platoon situation uh, with some things, but you know, this is these are the kind of pickups you got to make in September. It may not be a name that you're like, huh? Uh, but he's hot lately, and the club is rewarding him with that, putting him in a lineup every single day, and uh, you should find a way to get him in your lineup as well. Yeah, uh, just for context, uh, we're, you know, previously we were talking about Young and uh, Costas, who were the number one prospects in their organizations prior to the start of the season. David VR was the 33rd prospect in the Giants organization coming into the season, according to uh, Eric Loggenhagen over at Fangrass. So not a whole lot of hype coming on the kid, but he's 25 years old. He's playing really, really well right now. He's hot. And there isn't enough time left in the season uh, for some of these guys who are on hot streaks to cool off. And so you're going to ride it as long as it goes. Uh, I absolutely have no problem picking him up. Like Jason said, he is playing in multiple positions. Uh, different spots pretty much every day. I'm playing, you know, I played second base yesterday, first base the uh, uh, two days previous, I played third base uh, during that Milwaukee doubleheader that I mentioned. And I don't so, see this, you know, you know, he's up because yeah, A, roster's expanded, but B, Brandon Belt was on the IL and Slater's gone on the IL. And it's like, no, these guys aren't coming back uh, yeah. in any recent, in a uh, belt's done for the year. Yeah. The time, it's like the job is his until he hits his mm-hmm. way out of it. Pretty much, and they're giving him the opportunity to do it. He's he's delivering. So yeah, I think he's he's the guy that's going to go really under the radar. I think today in Fab, uh, you know, especially with other bigger names on the docket. But yeah, I'm I'm going to ride. I'll ride it. You know, especially for cheap, a few bucks here and there. Uh, next, uh, we're going to fish out with uh, two Cincinnati uh, outfielders that are hitting well right now and worth picking up. But I also want to mention that I believe, and I'm double checking right now, I believe the Reds have nine games this week. They do, um, and so you know, getting Cincinnati hitters uh, this week is going to be very valuable. Picking up guys like Alexis Diaz or anybody who potentially could get saves on on that team, it's going to be valuable as well. 
But I want to talk about TJ Friedel uh, and uh, Aristides Aquino, uh, both who are hitting well uh, and going to get a lot of playing time with this nine-game week. Are you picking these guys up? I mean, Friedel's been hot. He has had yep. uh, multi. He's had five multi-hit games in the last seven. Uh, I have him in the aforementioned. I believe he's in the aforementioned DC fifty. He was somebody that I took uh, preseason. Uh, and so when I'm looking at the games they have this week too, it is four against Pittsburgh, uh, at least four against Pittsburgh, yeah, and then four against Pittsburgh. five against the Cardinals. Yep, that's yeah, correct. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. So that's what their schedule looks like this week. And so the Pittsburgh, I mean, the Pittsburgh situation, those games are, are going to be better for them than the Cardinals ones. Uh, but that said, it's like, yeah, Friedel – you know, like I said, I targeted him before the season when I was looking at uh, where he's playing. He's been hitting leadoff. Uh, ju- he's hit leadoff for the past six, seven games. He does not play against lefties. That said, he's got six righties this week. Uh, so he's going to get at least six of these nine games and then pitch hit experience uh, in some of the others. So it shouldn't be a concern there. Uh, Aquino was played all but two games in the past two weeks, and he's hitting further down the lineup. Uh, you know, he goes into the, the all or nothing. If you're if you're hurting for power, you're trying to find something uh, here down the stretch. Sure. Uh, I'm more excited about Friel here just because top of the lineup, a lot of righties this week. Uh, and he has the opportunity to get, you know, 30, you know, 30 to 34 plate appearances this week with the nine game schedule. Even though he doesn't start against lefties, he'll still get pinch hit experience. So, again, uh, playing, taking the playing time route, uh, go with Friel. Yeah, absolutely. Friedel's a guy that, uh, for those who uh, remember from the beginning of the season, uh, I put on, uh, or Paul and I talked about as one of my deep, deep sleepers in DCs uh, in the outfield. Uh, he's a guy I really like. I just need the opportunity. He's getting the opportunity on the stretch, and he's hitting really, really well. Um, so he'd be my my biggest target out of these guys. But Aquino's going to get a, a fair amount of playing time, especially with two double headers during the week, uh, nine games, nothing to see that four of those games are versus Pittsburgh at home. And then you get the five at St. Louis. Um, yeah. I, yeah, both these guys are big targets for me in the outfield, uh, in a pretty, uh, not interesting week in fab. I would like to see, I mean, the one thing with Friedel, he has six stolen bases this year. I know the last time mm-hmm. we talked about Friedel in this podcast, we talked about potential hidden, you know, hidden stolen base opportunities for him. Problem is, he has only attempted one stolen base since June 9th. Now, he hasn't been in the lineup every – I mean, he missed – you know, he went June 18th and then came back to the lineup on April – on on uh, August 16th, rather. But we're talking about 25 or so games that he's attempted one stolen base. Uh, and in a nine-game series, you would love, like to see him run. I don't know how much he's going to try to run on the, on the, uh, on the Cardinals – uh, battery, there should be some opportunities for him uh, against the the pirate battery. So if he can get on base uh, and do that, we'll see what's there. But I would like to in this nine game slate here, it would be nice if he could throw in a steal or two along with everything else. I mean, the multi hits are nice, and he's had one, two, three, four, six, seven runs scored during that time, driven in three, but you know, no steals. Um, he has had three home runs in that mix: one at Milwaukee and two. Um, at if you uh, the home series uh, against the Rockies uh, when he was in um, in Great American Ballpark and had the two solo shots. Yeah, it's surprising he hasn't had a stolen base since or even attempted a stolen base since August twenty first. Yep, but he he's fast. Like yeah. <laughs> so, um, I guess it's hard to uh, steal a base when you're just trotting around him. So maybe. Hey, question uh, comment though. His last stolen base attempt was against the Pirates. So oh, <laughs> there you go. Maybe, maybe there's something there. 
We'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's going to wrap us up for this episode, Jason. Sorry to send oh, you back to work. No, no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> uh, Unfortunately, got nothing for you. But uh, why don't you remind people where you can reach on social media and then talk about anything you got going on. Turn those machines back on. Uh, no, so this week, as I said earlier, uh, the Collect Calls column at Rotowire will be writing about Nathaniel Lowe and looking at his um, his breakout season, uh, if you will. I'll tell you one, of the, I tweeted about this yesterday. One of the things I love about diving in the numbers is like writing down a hypothesis, like, oh, he's having a good season because X. Uh, and I've talked about this. I've written about this, about Lowe. One of the things, the problems he had in Tampa Bay, and even uh, when he got to Texas, was a hole in the top of the zone with velocity. He mm -hmm. really struggled with velocity up in the zone. And so I was like, okay, you know, last year he hit 190 on that, which was still better than what he had done in Tampa Bay. Let me see what he's doing this year. Well, he still stinks in that area this year. I mean, 95-plus. Uh, up in the zone, so we're talking about the upper third of the strike zone and then the regions above that. If you go on Savant and check those boxes, he's even worse this year in that area. But if you miss down, he's making you pay. And he's hitting, so it's like, I want to dive into this because, um, again, as I was talking earlier about the conversation I had with Adam on Twitter about, like, hey, how he's using the fields, I want to take a look into this because when you when you put yourself in the company of, of Arenado and Machado and Goldschmidt and Judge as far as hitting 300 and 20-plus home runs this year, you know, you should be getting more attention uh, about like what's the process behind this. I did see an article uh, this week from MLB Trade Rumors. They say, "Hey, he's having a good year and uh, he's increased his value." It's like I want I want to know the how behind the why. Like, where did this come from? Uh, and I know Donnie Ecker. I mean, you know this from him his time in the Giants. Awesome hitting coach. Yep. What did he what did he unlock uh, and low to like? Okay, hey, here's what you're doing. Here's what you could be doing to accentuate. Your natural abilities, because uh, you know Ecker's got a phenomenal track record, and I know Eno was super excited about uh, him going to Texas and looking at some Ranger guys as being undervalued, and it was one of the reasons I took low in one of my leagues um, was straight on that. I mean, Eno was just like Gaga, or like, oh, Ecker's going to do some really nice things with some guys, um, and and Low seems to be the the guy that's benefited the most uh, from that compared to where you know what we've seen previously. So that's what I'm working on. Uh, with that, won't be here next weekend uh, because yep. next weekend we're celebrating. I'm a man. I'll be turning 50 on the 20th. But next weekend is is my like celebration here. My wife mm -hmm. is going to clear your schedule. So I don't know what's happening. I just know that I have my schedule is cleared next weekend. So I will not be here because I'm a man and I can't believe I'm turning 50. All right. Well, congratulations on making it that far. <laughs> you can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. Uh, writing daily fan graphs. Uh, had to take off uh, the the Friends Fantasy Benefits podcast last week because it was 115 degrees, and even at recording at 7 p.m., it was still 103 degrees in my office. So yeah, you have no you have no central air or heat in that thing, right? Nope. I have insulation now, which is nice, but. Uh, when when it gets over 110, there's nothing you can do. No. Like, and it's, I just wasn't going to sit here for two hours and talk to Dave uh, <laughs> while, while it's 100 and uh, you know three degrees in here. So, uh, but uh, writing daily at Fangraphs, uh, I should get back to to all the podcasts this week. Um, a lot of cool stuff coming up this off season. So stay tuned for that. Uh, for Jason, and myself, thank you for listening. Have a fantastic hey, end of the week. Oh. Uh, hey, I know some of you guys have already started tweeting us. Uh, uh, appreciation tweets for helping you win leagues already. So thank you for doing that. Congratulations Absolutely. on your success. As we always say, even if we can't win some leagues, we're happy to help others win leagues. 
Um, and you know, one of the things I tend to do every year uh, is like, hey, if you want to say thanks in some way, you know, we got to come up with some type of like, hey, make a, a percentage donation, one percent, mm-hmm. anything. Um, you know, find a way to say uh, thank you, and it's if because I do the same. If I want anything, I make a, a donation to something. Uh, in that regard, but it's always nice to see those congratulatory, uh, congratulatory um, tweets from other people and appreciation. Say, hey, thanks, you really helped me. Uh, you know, like Shelly, Shelly won her league, and that's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. That she won uh, was it Tout Head to Head, Tout Daily, uh, Daily. So you know, that's awesome that she won that. Uh, and hopefully, we helped her because uh, she helps us with everything she puts out throughout the year. I, I I helped her by shitting the bed in the in the finals. I think I helped her by recommending Jason Adam in April. I was like, hey, do not ignore this guy. So that's my contribution to Shelly's title uh, with that. So hopefully she uh, took him a few times because Jason Adam has been awesome this year uh, with that. So, yeah, I just wanted to get that note out there before. I I meant to bring that up earlier, but thanks because I've already seen a few of those come through. And it's, you know, it's always good to to read those and and help, you know, take joy in seeing other people's success, even if, uh, you know, our seasons didn't go the way we wanted them to. Uh, and I, I'll remind people, uh, I bought my tickets for FPAS uh, this last week, so uh, I will be there from Wednesday to Monday. Uh, Same. So I'm super, super excited. Danielle's coming with me uh, again this year, so we should have uh, an absolute blast. That is the first uh, week of November, uh, first weekend in November. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Highly recommend you go uh, if uh, if you can. Definitely try to stay at the hotel. It's right across from Sloan Park, uh, where a lot of the festivities are going to be held. Same park, Mark, guys. It's it's yep. an L-shaped hotel. You walk. I stayed there. You literally walk over. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I'm staying the extra night uh, as well. I extended mm-hmm. my stay, so I'll be there for the uh, the Fall Stars game because I was like, I can't miss that. Uh, so I'm now flying home on Monday. Uh, so yeah, uh, definitely excited about that. Now, especially we're under 60 days. It's like Good, so close we can taste it now, baby. Yep. All right, that will wrap us up for this episode. For Jason, myself, he's got to get back to work. A fantastic baseball season. All right, guys, take care.